Chapter 18 Under the high noon sun the cool touch of water falling upon Kenneth's lips felt as though an angel from heaven had come to take him home. He opened his eyes and beheld the silhouette of a woman, Arabella. She was radiant. She extended a cup and offered another sip. Bella! A smile formed on Kenneth's cracked lips as he spoke. He blinked to clear the haze from his sight, but a fog remained, clouding his mind. He wanted to hold the angelic being, to feel her, to touch her. Speaking in a broken, hardly intelligible voice, a desire-laden utterance spilled from his tongue, Kiss me. The woman shifted in her stance, yet did not bend or reach to extend her lips to his. Kenneth shook his head and widened his eyes. The blurry image of Arabella faded, and the form of a young redhead appeared. It's all right, Rhiannon said. Go ahead, drink. I'm sorry, I thought you were someone, he couldn't finish. No, it's only me, Rhiannon responded, her expression veiling a hidden frown. She placed the cup to Kenneth's lips and he drank. Thank you, thank you for the water, Kenneth said. A single drop of the precious liquid dripped from his chin as he lowered his head. Rhiannon stared at his chains. Her eyes inched from his bound wrists to the trim muscles of his arms and up to the fleshy sores on his shoulders, where the Viking whip had left its marks. She dared not gaze upon his back. Her heart broke for him, as he knelt before her, tattered and shackled like a tortured criminal. She extended her fingers to touch his hand. Yet, hovering above his skin, she withdrew. Kenneth lifted his brow and settled his eyes on her. Rhiannon, I never meant for it to happen. Darrell was a good friend, a good man. I'm sorry for his death. Please forgive me. Rhiannon nodded, her countenance now unable to conceal her sadness. I'm sorry, too. She withdrew from Kenneth, still gazing at him, and then she slowly turned and stepped away. Kenneth's frame sunk, and his eyes lowered to the ground. Chorich stopped mid-stride. He raised his hand and gave the signal to halt. The three Scots froze in the thick forest, listening to the loud boom still echoing through the trees. The cracking sound and then the thump. That was a tree falling, Les whispered. It's hard to say where it came from, but it sounded as if it was over there, Ronan said and pointed south. Shh, Chorich muttered in a low voice. Can you hear that? Hear what? Ronan asked. Chorich waited a moment. That, he said. He cocked his head and cupped his hand behind his ear. That thunk, thunk, thunk sound. I don't hear anything, Ronan replied. Try cleaning your ears next time you bathe, Chorich said. He glanced at Les, and the two smiled at one another. Shut up. I don't hear the thunk, thunk you're talking about. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're hearing things. I hear it, Les said. It's faint, but it sounds like an axe. That would explain the falling tree, Chorich noted. We could be closer to the Vikings than we think, Ronan said. We've been off the path for some time. It wasn't safe, and any riders would have spotted us, Chorich replied. But you're right, we may be nearer than we think. Chorich scanned the forest. The ground sloped upward to the south and crested a hundred yards ahead. I agree. I think the sound came from that direction. He stepped forward slowly and waved his arm for the two to follow. The three ascended the incline, 
sidestepping the fallen branches and dead logs strewn across the forest floor as they proceeded in silence. All right, I hear the thunk sound now, Ronan whispered loudly as the three neared the crest of the hill. Good to know your ears are working, Chorich chided. The threesome stopped at the top of the hill and ducked to lower themselves. One by one, they lifted to peer over the hill. Chorich, do you see that? There, through those trees, do you see someone moving? Les said, pointing as he spoke. Yes, I do. I see movement. Look over there, there's more of them. I hear the axes again, too, Ronan added as the sound of the chopping blades returned. I see people moving, but I can't see enough to make out who they are, Chorich said. The trees are too thick. I think I can. Look, right there. Ronan pointed. That one's wearing a helmet. I see the horns too, it's a viking. Les hunched and ambled to his left, keeping behind the hill as he moved. He stopped and peered again through the trees. I can see more men from over here. The men with the axes aren't vikings, they're Scots. Can you see Kenneth? Chorich hurried toward Les. Where do you see Scots? Wait, I see them, Kenneth must be near, we've got to get closer. We can't get any closer without them seeing us, Ronan warned. We have to? If we move north, we can go around them and get closer. Are you trying to get us killed? Even from here, I'd say there are at least a dozen Vikings. Chorich peered at Ronan. Are you saying I'm going alone? Crack, 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 boom. The shearing of a great pine, and its subsequent smashing to the earth was enough to startle the three. Damn, that scared me, Ronan said, anxious and edgy. He glared at Chorich, I wasn't saying you have to go alone. I'm saying you're bloody mad. Chorich, look at the sky. Dusk is near, Les said. With darkness coming, they'll be finished soon. When they leave, we can follow them, they'll lead us to their camp. And then what do we do, ask them to surrender and tell them to burn everything? Ronan quipped. We're going to do something. We didn't come here to stand in the distance and watch. What do we do with the horses? We'll have to leave them here. The risk is too great to bring them with us, Chorich replied. He glanced at Les and then back at Ronan. We'll wait till dusk, and then we'll follow them on foot. That's the final cart of logs, and the prisoners are being led away, Chorich whispered and then pointed to a man in the distance. That one over there is the last of the Vikings from what I can see. We should go now? He glimpsed over his shoulder but found only Les, who was crouching with his back turned and staring into the forest. Where is Ronan? Chorich exclaimed. He was just here. He needed to find a tree, Les said with a lopsided grin. Then he glanced back at the forest, hurry up, Ronan. We've got to go. Ronan stepped from behind a large oak tree. Finished, he stated proudly. Couldn't you have done that earlier? Ronan smiled. I'm done. No worries, let's go. Chorich shook his head. Get your things, we're heading out. We must keep them in our sights. Chorich lifted to his feet, and moved over the hill. He kept his eyes locked on the horned helmet of the last Viking rider. From afar, they followed the procession of men. As dusk settled, 
the distant sun broke through the western clouds and sat on the horizon like a dull pink globe. Soon after, the blanketing clouds swelled and darkness crept into the evening sky. A small remnant of sunlight lingered as Chorich and the two followed the Vikings west. The patchwork of trees among the dipping valleys and lofting hills gave the three ample means of hiding as they trailed their enemy. They followed the Vikings, carts, and captives from a distance, silent and unseen. When the procession reached a particularly large hill, several of the Vikings broke right and separated from the others. What are they doing? Chorich said. Looks like they're splitting up. The prisoners and the carts are going over there, Les said and gestured with his hand. Yet most of the Vikings on horseback are heading that way. He then motioned northward. Maybe their camp is on the other side of the hill, Ronan added. Then maybe Kenneth is there, Chorich replied. The captives and carts vanished beyond the hill, and the last Viking disappeared behind them. It'll be dark soon, Les said. We've got to see what's on the other side. See the large evergreen where the hill crests. Ronan said. If we could get to it, its branches are near enough to the ground that we could hide under them. Yes, that's good. Let's go. Chorich leapt forward, and ran across the opening toward the evergreen. He's absolutely mad, Ronan grumbled aloud. Les stood and pulled his bow off his back. He glanced left and then right before staring square into Ronan's eyes, it's now or never. Ronan nodded, and the two burst into the opening and dashed up the hill behind Chorich. Reaching the evergreen, Chorich leapt and slid headfirst below the sweeping green branches of the broad-based tree. His face brushed across the ground, and a handful of pine needles stuck to his lips. He lifted his head with a grimace and spat the needles from his mouth. He quickly found he wasn't alone. His sudden intrusion beneath the tree had caused a stir, and an angry dove fluttered in the branches above his head. The bird chirped and chattered, then flew from the evergreen. A moment later, Ronan and Les slid in behind him. Chorich glanced at the two while still wiping debris from his mouth. I was hoping you'd follow. Did we have a choice? Ronan groused. After brushing off their hands and shoulders, the three rearranged and sat up under the thick green branches. Chorich parted the limbs and peered into the distance. Look at that thing, he uttered in amazement. Les and Ronan crawled forward and gazed through the branches across the hill. They beheld something they had never expected to see in Dalriada. It's unbelievable, Ronan muttered. It's massive, Les said. Appears they expect to stay. Look over there, next to the creek. The Vikings are taking their horses to that fenced corral. Follow the fence, can you see where it, my god, there must be a couple hundred horses in there, Chorich said, half dazed, half astonished. And down there, the prisoners are heading through that opening in the front of the fort, Ronan said. They're turning left as they enter, but I can't tell where they're going. Chorich. Do you see that? Les said, pulling Chorich's shoulder to align his sight. Yes, I see. Do you think that is? Kenneth? Chorich said, finishing Les's thought. Yes, that's him. I'm sure of it. He seems to be in bad shape. Looks nearly dead. I'm guessing he wouldn't be chained to those posts if he was dead, Chorich snapped. Well, if he is still alive, we'd better get him soon, Ronan said. I intend to, Chorich replied. 
I intend to. How do we want to do this and keep ourselves and the others alive? Ronan asked. The sun is gone, and soon there won't be a trace of light. Here's what we know. We've got to free Kenneth and the others. Once they're free, we've got to get out of there without them chasing us, or catching us, Chorich said. I know that's what we want to do. I'm asking, how are we going to do it? You and I are going in there, Ronan. Why is it always me that has to go with you? What's Les going to do? He'll do what he does best, Chorich replied. Ronan rubbed his face and exhaled. Chorich, never mind. Ronan said nothing more. He took another deep breath and retreated back to rubbing his face. I know this won't be easy, but Ronan, I have no other choice. I have to save my brother. And if you can't? Ronan asked. Chorich glared at him. Then I'll die trying. Moonlight gleamed through a thin slit in the low-hanging clouds. The sun rested for the night. Chorich glanced down at his dim reflection in the creek's glassy black water. Then he looked back to find Ronan. With his body submerged, Ronan's wet matted hair appeared as a smooth black helmet floating on the water's surface. Chorich swiveled his head to survey his surroundings. The corral stood forty yards away. The snorting of the penned horses was the only disturbance in the silence of the night. Chorich sunk deeper in the water and began crawling with his hands and feet toward the bank of the creek. When he reached the shallows of the bank, he remained buried below the water with only his eyes, and nose exposed. He waited. Ronan snuck beside Chorich and then stopped and lifted his head to see. Shh, Chorich whispered. His hand slowly rose from the water. He held up two fingers and pointed to the side of the corral where it connected to the fort. Ronan's eyes followed Chorich's fingers. He shifted his head sideways to see under the horses. Past the legs and bellies of the animals, Ronan spotted the feet of two men. Any others? Ronan whispered. No, not that I can see, Chorich replied. He glanced back at the far side of the creek, then slowly combed his eyes over the water and back to the rear of the corral before returning his gaze to the men inside the pen. Quietly, he inched from the water. Droplets dribbled off his clothes and fell back into the black pool from which he emerged. The night air was cool on his skin. Ronan followed. The two crept toward the outermost edge of the corral. When they reached the pen, they slipped between its horizontal beams and slowly twisted their way through the labyrinth of horses, hunching as they moved and keeping their distance from the Viking guards. Chorich couldn't recall seeing this many horses in one place. They numbered well into the hundreds. The two continued their silent weave through the large animals, advancing toward the fort. Ronan stayed lockstep with Chorich until a small mare stepped between the two. Ronan paused, and then nudged the mare's hindquarters, attempting to move by her. The horse nickered at Ronan's unwelcomed shove. Chorich heard the animal's complaint, and the murmuring of the guards that followed. He stopped in his tracks and kept low, his heart pounding in his chest. He glanced back, scanning to find Ronan. Lowering to a squat, he panned in a circle and saw Ronan's feet not far behind. Then he spied ahead to sight the guards. The murmuring had stopped, but only one set of feet remained. Where is the second guard? Chorich's thoughts ran wild. He scanned below the horses again, studying every movement. 
There, fifteen feet ahead, were the feet of the second guard, and they were coming straight toward him. The Viking traversed between the few remaining horses that separated the two. Then the man stopped. Chorich could hear the guard speaking, but he couldn't understand the words. Chorich ducked below the belly of a tall black gelding, and his eyes locked on the guard's feet. The man began to move again, still heading toward Chorich. Chorich's breathing accelerated and adrenaline coursed through his veins. The man shuffled toward the large horse, stepped behind the animal's back end, and stopped close enough for Chorich to touch him. The man slowly bent to peer below the gelding. Instantly, Chorich sprung from the side of the beast and cleared the animal's rear in a single bound. When the Viking lifted, Chorich reached for the man's head and cupped his hand over the man's mouth. In a blink, Chorich's wet blade severed the Viking's soft throat. Chorich clutched the Viking to his chest as the man shuddered. Then he eased the Viking's dying frame to the ground. Chorich squatted next to the body and wiped his blade on the Viking's sleeve. The horses stirred and began pressing in on him. He scooted to an opening and surveyed below the horses in search of Ronan. Seeing only hooves in the shadowy darkness, he lifted and peeked over the horses to locate the second guard. The guard was gone. Chorich lowered his head and stared back at the dead man and the puddle beside the man's neck. Chorich closed his eyes tight and shook his head for a single moment. Abruptly, he snapped from his trance. He had to find Ronan, he had to find Kenneth. Chorich eased up and poked his head above the horses. Olaf, Olaf? A husky voice called out. Chorich ducked. The voice was close. Unf. Chorich tensed. The sound was distinct. It was the chilling, unforgiving sound of a man's last gasp of breath. Chorich's heart thumped like a pounding hammer inside his chest. He squeezed his knife and leapt forward, passing three horses before his pelvis rammed unexpectedly into the railing of the corral. He doubled over and fought to right himself, exposed under the dim moonlight. Out of the corner of his eye, he caught the figure of a man. Chorich spun, knife in hand, ready to fight. Chorich, the voice said. Ronan, it's you. You nearly scared me to death. Chorich stepped away from the pen railing, rubbing his hip. At least this one's dead. Ronan whispered, glancing down at the lifeless body at his feet. Tell me you got the other one. Yes, but it wasn't pretty, Chorich replied as he seated his knife in his belt. Come with me, I think I found what we're looking for. Ronan turned toward the fort and motioned for Chorich to follow. Ronan led Chorich to an eight-foot-wide opening on the side wall of the fort, the means of access between the fort and the corral. A single pine log, suspended chest-high, spanned the opening. Let's take this off before we go in. I don't want to get blocked inside the fort if we need to escape with the others, Chorich said, and he grabbed one end of the log. What about the horses? What if they follow us? We better not be in there that long, we'll set it down here. That'll keep them from coming behind us, Chorich replied, pointing to the ground at the opening. I don't know, Chorich. Just lift the damn log. Chorich grabbed his end and glared at Ronan. Ronan grabbed the opposite end, and the two lifted the log from its braces. Chorich laid his end on the ground. I've got another idea that will help, he said and hurried past Ronan to the corral railing. Ronan set the log down and followed. 
Let's remove some of these beams in the railing, Chorich said. I don't think, Ronan started, then he glimpsed Chorich's irritated frown and held his tongue. Forget it, he mumbled to himself. The two removed enough beams to satisfy Chorich, and then they disappeared into the shadows of the fort. Kenneth kept his eyes closed. He would force himself to sleep. Maybe sleep would come. It was his only escape. Often, he wished he would sleep and never wake. He hated himself for wishing such things. It was shameful, and the shame ate at him. He twisted in his chains, trying to relieve his back of the crick that throbbed between his shoulder blades. Night brought his muscles the ills of sleeping upright, pain that wouldn't ease no matter how he altered his posture. As he lifted his chin to stretch the knotted muscles in his neck, he heard the guards stirring at the entrance to the prison. Kenneth opened a single disinterested eye and gazed at the two. One of the guards had stood and was walking away from his seat beside the prison door. Kenneth opened both eyes. Looking for a place to piss, Kenneth guessed. The second guard remained slumped on his stump, half asleep. Kenneth shut his eyes. The pain between his shoulders bit again. He rolled his head to either side in search of relief. None came. God, crush me now and end this. He took a deep breath and released a miserable sigh. Then he lowered his head. His muscles continued to burn. More footsteps. Kenneth opened his eyes again. He gazed at the prison entrance. The two guards sat like statues in the dull moonlight. The footsteps. He knew he'd heard them. He looked left, Durrell's pit lay somewhere within the dark shadows of the fort's front wall. Kenneth stared into the darkness. It was empty and black. Kenneth envisioned Durrell emerging from the shadowy pit, and a chill ran down his spine. He blinked his eyes and squinted. Something in the darkness was moving. Kenneth quickly glanced back toward the prison guards. Neither budged. He peered again at the pit and stared into the darkness. Someone, or something, was watching him. Chorich remained in the shadows, gazing at the figure tied to the post. It's Kenneth. Emotions flooded over Chorich's soul like a crashing tidal wave. He inhaled to catch his breath. He thought of his father, and how he would treasure the sight of his son, alive. Kenneth was alive, but barely. Even the dim ambience of the cloudy night couldn't hide Kenneth's worn, beleaguered frame and his gaunt appearance. Chorich glanced at the two guards sitting in near slumber beside the prison. Ronan, I'm getting Kenneth, he whispered. Chorich stood straight, clutched his knife, and stepped out of the shadows. He brazenly walked the Viking courtyard toward his brother as if the sun lit the sky above and the two were the only people left on earth. He dared any man to stop him, he had found his brother, and he was going to take him home. A silhouette materialized and moved toward Kenneth. Kenneth studied the figure as it approached. The movement of the body, the gait of the stride, they were familiar. Kenneth wondered if his eyes were playing tricks on him. Chorich. His heart leapt. It can't be. It can't be. Kenneth's mouth opened, and he uttered a hopeful whisper, Chorich. He thought he was hallucinating. Again, he uttered, Chorich. The urge to laugh and weep swept over him in delirium. Yes, Kenneth it's me, Chorich. I've come to get you. Chorich placed his hand on the back of Kenneth's head and cupped it like a father would a child. 
his eyes traced up and down Kenneth's haggard frame, he looked awful, but he was alive. A smile spread across Chorich's face. He gripped Kenneth's soiled hair and peered into his eyes, we're going home. Chorich, I never thought I'd see you again, I thought I would die here. No Kenneth, you're not going to die here. Not here. Not tonight. As Kenneth beheld Chorich, his heart fell. Chorich, Aiden is dead. Chorich stared long into his brother's eyes. I know, Kenneth. I know, Chorich drew a deep breath, Kenneth, we've got to get you out of here. Kenneth gazed down and lifted his hands, but these chains, and the guards. Suddenly, the sound of footsteps emerged behind Chorich. Kenneth peered past his brother. Chorich. The guard, he's coming. Chorich glanced at his knife, then he gazed at Kenneth and nodded. What are you doing? The guard called as he approached. Then the man lifted his sword. Chorich didn't turn, he didn't move. Kenneth's eyes widened, Chorich. The whisper of an arrow hummed in the darkness. It came quietly through the night air from a distant longbow and entered the Viking's back. There the arrow rested with its bloody tip poking out from the man's chest. The man gaped down at his severed flesh and slowly collapsed beside the two Scots, dead. Kenneth's mind spun in a daze. Chorich turned the Viking over and grabbed the iron key from the man's belt. Nice shot, Chorich muttered to Kenneth. Glad he's on our side. Les? Kenneth asked. Chorich nodded, and unlocked his brother. Kenneth rubbed his wrists and ankles. Freedom. I never thought I'd feel it again. Thank you, Chorich. I'm happy you're alive. Let's get you out of. Stop there, Scott. Chorich slowly turned. The guard held his crossbow locked on Chorich's heart. Where did you come from? The guard said, then a confused expression appeared upon his face, and he glanced back at the prison door. A second arrow streaked through the night and found its target. A brittle crack of wood sounded when the Viking hit the ground and snapped the arrow that protruded from his forehead. Hurry, Kenneth, we've got to go. Follow me, Chorich said, and he led Kenneth to the fort entrance. The two reached the fifteen-foot front opening and moved past it to the shadows near Durell's pit. Ronan stepped from the darkness, Kenneth. Ronan. Kenneth said in disbelief. Are there others here, too? Only Les, Ronan, and me. We tried to come sooner with father, but we were ambushed, and father took an arrow in the thigh. It got him good. He'll limp for a while, but he'll recover, Chorich said. He gazed about the dark fort, surveying the large courtyard. Eight low-burning torches sat mounted along the fort walls. I saw the prison over there. Is that where the others are? There are a few dozen men in the prison, Kenneth said, and he motioned to where the guards had been. And over there, that's where the women are being kept. Kenneth pointed past the prison. Then he turned toward the north wall and pointed again, those quarters are where the Vikings are. The bastard Halfton, their leader, left with several others. I'm not sure where they were heading. We saw eight Vikings on the path as we came, I suspect that was them, Ronan said, then he peered at Chorich. What do we do now? We free our people and we burn the place, Chorich answered. Chorich unlocked the prison door. 
the three stepped into the pen and woke the captives. Under the sparse clouds of the dark Dauriada night, they devised a plan. Kenneth left the prison first. He left to free the women. After Kenneth departed, the weakest of the captives were led from the prison to the carts, and there the men began hitching the carts with horses. They were the first to escape the miserable fort. The last to exit the pen was Gavin. He joined several of the prisoners, and together they headed to a pile of extinguished torches. There the men scattered and lit their torches from those burning along the fort walls. Scampering the fort perimeter, they set fire to the pine-built fortress. Then a handful of Scots broke from the group and dashed to Halfton's platform, and set it ablaze. The Vikings' quarters were the last to be lit, the Scots' final salvo would the lighting of the hornet's nest. Kenneth entered the women's quarters holding a torch in one hand. He woke the first woman. She startled, and he placed his hand to her mouth. Shh, he whispered. It's all right? It's me, Kenneth. We're escaping tonight? Help me wake the others. We have to get out of here. Once the women were up, Kenneth gathered them to the door. He quietly poked his head outside and then turned and addressed the ladies, you need to stay together and head to the corral. There, the men will get you in the carts and take you away from here. Go quickly. The women fled the small lean-to and hurried toward the corral. Only Rhiannon stayed behind. She gazed at Kenneth, how did you do this? It wasn't me. It was my brother. He's come with some others. Now, you must go. Will I see you again? Kenneth stared at her, puzzled, you must go, please hurry. Rhiannon placed her hands on his cheeks, and she leaned forward and kissed him. Her lips were soft and tender against his. He thought of pushing her away. He pulled back. You should go. She peered into his eyes and then spun and vanished through the door. A dozen Scots were all that remained inside the fort walls. The small group seized an empty cart and wheeled it to the entryway of the horse corral. Once positioned, the men flipped the cart on its side and set it on fire to hinder any attempt to access the corral. Then the group split in two. Half of them headed to the Viking quarters, while the others hurried to the fort's front entrance. Reaching the Vikings' sleeping quarters, the Scots hurled their torches onto the thick thatch roofs. In moments, the thatch ignited in flames. Light danced upon the men's faces as they watched the fire consume the rooftops. They joyously cursed the devils inside before hurrying to the fort entrance. Jorand and several dozen groggy, disoriented Vikings scurried from the burning structures. Jorand yelled an order to one of his men. The man tore through the courtyard and grabbed the large brass war horn from its post. The man puffed out his chest and blew. Haran? Seconds passed before the blazing fort was crawling with Vikings scrambling about like a crazed colony of ants traversing a freshly crushed mound. Jorand barked at the men, but his shouts fell on deaf ears amidst the chaos of shadows and fire. He rushed back into his quarters, ignoring the scorching flames, and reappeared with axe in hand. A lone Scot heading to the fort entrance ran past. The large Viking swung his weapon and struck the man, waylaying the poor soul in a single blow. Jorand turned and strode with quick, angry steps toward the corral. There he found the toppled cart, ablaze and sealing the entryway. He spat on the flames in disgust and headed to the front entrance of the fort. In the distance, 
A mob of Scots surrounded a cart filled with the day's lumber. Jorand moved with pace toward the mob. The Scots worked the log-filled cart back and forth, steering it across the opening of the front entryway. You men, push from the rear. Kenneth shouted. Shorich, you and I will pull from the front. We've almost got it. As the men pushed and pulled, the tall white pines forming the fort walls burned like a furnace in the black Dalryadan night. Kenneth stepped back and sized the fort opening while the others gave a final push to the slow rolling cart. Stop, that's good, let's go, Kenneth called to Chorich and the men. The two brothers stood side by side, watching as the men ducked below the cart and lifted to freedom on the opposite side. Out of nowhere, Nicole appeared from the shadows, winded and excited. We got him Kenneth. We got him. The entire fort is going up in flames. They get what they deserve, Kenneth said with a notable tone of spite. Now, drop below the cart and get out of here. As Nicole began to stoop, Kenneth grabbed his arm. Wait, where's Gavin? He was right behind me. He should be coming. Kenneth nodded and turned back to scan the courtyard. His eyes locked on the posts where he'd been chained. Good riddance, he muttered. Then something caught the corner of his eye. He spun his head and stiffened. It was Jorand. The beastly Viking was approaching fast, with several men behind him. Chorich, Nicole, we have to go. Gavin instantly materialized in front of the three, sprinting with a torch in one hand and a bucket of oil in the other. Without stopping to speak, he doused the log-filled cart with the oil, threw his torch onto the logs, and swiftly slipped below the undercarriage. In an instant, he popped up on the other side and dashed toward the waiting horses. As Gavin's torch came to rest on the pile of logs, it teetered momentarily before dropping between the lumber into the belly of the cart. Within moments, billowing fingers of fire rose from the bed, licking the logs and lifting high into the air. Nicole rushed to the cart and grabbed a rope from the sidewall. Then he lowered to the ground and crawled under. On the other side, he jumped to his feet and peered back at Kenneth and Chorich through the flames. Kenneth glanced at Jorand, now forty paces away. Let's go, Chorich, Kenneth said and he moved to the cart. He squatted to duck under then suddenly realized something wasn't right. He paused and peered back at Chorich. Chorich, no. Chorich was ready, ready to fight, knife drawn and wild-eyed, glaring at the fast-approaching giant. Chorich, don't do this. Not now. Chorich stepped toward Jorand. Chorich. Chorich glanced at Kenneth, still hovering below the burning cart. Not now, Chorich. We have to go? Chorich wanted Jorand. He wanted him badly. The Viking was twenty paces away, and closing quickly. A buzzing sound zipped past Chorich's head and lodged in the ground at Jorand's feet. The large Viking stopped in his tracks, staring at the long vibrating arrow shaft as it slowed to a rest. Chorich smirked and shoved his knife in his belt. He hurried toward Kenneth, and the two dropped to the ground and slipped below the flaming cart. From the shadows of freedom, Ronan rode to Chorich, Kenneth, and Nicol, towing three horses behind him. Take the horses, he said. We've got to get out of here. Chorich and Kenneth mounted up and followed Ronan away from the blazing fort. Kenneth slowed after several paces and glanced back, searching for Nicol. 
The old Scot had left his horse and was pulling a rope through the side wheels of the cart. Nicole, come on, Kenneth shouted. Then he noticed the cart slowly rolling away from the entrance of the fort. They're pushing it, Nicole yelled. He finished knotting the rope and ran back to his horse. Paw! He yelled as he slapped the hindquarters of the beast. The horse bucked and charged forward. The rope tightened, and the wheels lurched, yet the cart stood. Again, Nicole slapped the animal. This time the impulse of the horse's sudden tug ripped the two side wheels from the cart's boxy frame. The cart toppled, and the burning timber dumped into a heap on the ground, sealing the Vikings inside the fiery inferno. Nicole mounted his horse, and darted up the hill past Kenneth, dragging his rope and the two wheels behind him. Kenneth stared back at the furious, red-hot flames. It was a place where much had been learned and much had been lost, and both had come at a cost. He would forever despise the men and the miseries of that place, the place where he had entered hell. He peered down at his unbound hands and the ring of calluses circling his wrists. A sliver of hope sprung in his heart. Now that he was free, there was someone he had to find. And he would not stop until he held her. He turned his horse and raced to catch the others.